Yle Podcast. This podcast series is based on my experiences while making the documentary film Who Was Felix Kirsten? The film is about Heinrich Himmler's mysterious personal doctor and the revelations that followed. The reason for making this podcast is that after finishing the documentary, well, suffice it to say that the Felix Kirsten story never really went away. Episode 5, Back to the Archives, Speculation of a Double Identity. Oftentimes, life offers us much more interesting and captivating stories than the imagination can conjure. When I finished my documentary in 1998, I had a strong feeling that this story has not yet ended. There was more to come. Hey, Otto. Hi, John. So how, how's your mother? Uh, she's old, <laughs> but she's fine. So, I mean, how does it, can we get in, uh, another deadline from... Uh... I think there are two options. Uh, when you come from the States, the first yeah. thing we are recording is uh, Lars Westerlund. Okay. And also uh, Boris Solomon. Sure. Han Rautkallio is also available as well. And Lars Westerlund, he knows uh, noises material as well. Very well, yeah, of course. Do you remember the first time when I told you about... Was it in Munich? No. I mean, the Munich is actually the second time you told me. Yeah. The first time you 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 told me was in uh, Tampara. I think it might have been... Uh, Over that uh, pizza place? Yeah, yes, okay. That we went to? And then you told me, I think it's, it has to do with the connection of me being in Estonia at that time. And it was sort of really an amazing story because, I mean, I think you talked about more about Kirsten being also a spy, being involved with so many things, you know, in the war and spying and being in Estonia and... And the military and all that. So that's that's the first time I heard about it. And then the second time is, of course, when we talked about it more in detail in the uh, Keller at the uh, Levenbrau. And what I felt is, I said to you, I mean, what I found it also was, in addition to this fascinating story, I was also found it kind of somehow, you know, at least in my mind, it was interesting because, you know, that Levenbrau, uh, it's kind of was right in the intersection of uh, the uh, train going to Dachau. It was kind of an interesting... <laughs> Connection. But you had uh, never heard about this. Let's put it this way. I did not make the uh, direct connection to the one person, uh, Felix Kirsten, because he was not... I've read and, of course, been uh, interested uh, extensively with the uh, Holocaust. But he's never really kind of mentioned. In after uh, after I, I became uh, through you that I became uh, involved in the story and getting to read about the uh, memoirs and the biographies and so on and so on. It all it kind of reminded me that Kirsten does appear. He appears as a reference in other films, right? Like Woody Allen. I believe mentions him in one of his uh, lampoon about Hitler. You know, he kind of makes fun of this Himmler. Uh, it's not a therapist, but he's like a barber. Okay. 
Obviously, someone like Steven Spielberg was interested for some time because when I was working at um, Universal for some time, I saw that the Schindler project was on for a number of years. He was on the uh, on the docket, as they say, but did not yet come to uh, to a fruition. Uh, but I think he heard about Kirsten. But it's obvious, like you said the other day about the quote from uh, Elie Wiesel, that person could not be trusted. It's not something that you can do in black and white. Yes, Schindler was uh, an industrialist first, and he certainly welcomed the idea of having slave labor, but then he came to understand what's behind. And he was also risking his own life. Yeah, he risked life, obviously he did, and, and Kirsten did absolutely nothing of that. And here I was, going back to the Finnish archives again, to take another look at the details which had seemed perplexing the first time around. Lars, you have read the book of Werner Neuss, so can you tell about what is your opinion and conclusion about it? Well, I got to know about Neuss' book by chance. Of course, I knew Kirsten before that, but for the first time I got coherent view of Kirsten and his actions. From the beginning, I accepted much of the interpretations by Noyes and it made me also to contact him. We have corresponded on Kirsten for several years, perhaps six years or so. Does it matter to you in a way, I mean, when you think about Kirsten, what Noyes has concluded ultimately? I think much of what Werner Noyes writes is correct, although there are some issues which still are unclear particularly the transformation of the real Kirsten to the fake Kirsten in 1919. We still know rather little about this, but I I think it's the most troubled issue. I think that the interesting stuff about Kirsten is that where does he come from? I mean, the fact that he becomes a healer or he can alleviate pain, but where does it... I mean, sometimes, yes, maybe you have something in your in your hands, but who is he? That's the question. Is that that person who was a farmer uh, from uh, Dorpat, from uh, from Tartu, or...? Uh... If we are talking about the real Kirsten, he wasn't actually a farmer, he was a liquor dealer. They distilled liquor in Estonia, and his father was involved in the production of liquor. So he was probably belonging to the middle class, and although not very wealthy. But the real Kirsten was a boy who had problems in the school and was a... But then, who was that boy from Dorpat, now Tartu, Estonia, according to Noyce? Felix Kirsten's memoirs state that he had studied agriculture in Yenfeld starting in 1914. Werner Noyce finds this a little bit odd because there is no evidence of an agricultural school existing in Yenfeld. But then there was a similar institution. The Rauhes House, which was, and still is, a social service institution founded in 1833 in Hamburg, Germany. It sheltered and trained an assortment of children ranging from mentally handicapped to those who had troubles and had to be controlled. In a response to Werner Neuss's request, the archivist of Rauhes House relates that they no longer possessed the records of studies conducted back then. But 
they do have a record for a certain boy, Felix E. A. Kersten, born 1898 in Dorpat, as a pupil who was confirmed on Sunday, 1915, in the prayer room of Rauhenhaus. So, certainly conflicting stories abound. Why did Felix Kersten claim that he had studied agriculture in Yenfield, if no such school existed there? Concerning Kirsten, it is necessary to distinguish between the various periods in his life. If we start with the real Kirsten, the supposed real Kirsten, he was born in 1896 in Dorpat and he died early March uh, 1919. Uh, he was probably killed in action or, or taken prison. Anyway, he disappeared and uh, Felix Huberti captured his identity, identity. In, so in, in, in March. You, do you buy that? Uh, yes, I buy that. Of course, I admit this is a speculation, but let us call this a hypothesis. But I think it's reasonable to discount so you mean it could be a possibility? It could be possible. But he was not safe either in Estonia. So he joined the Finnish volunteers in Estonia by that time. It was a unit called Pohjan Poikan Rykmenti. In this way he arrived in Helsinki in June 1919. And he may have got some small wounds because he was in hospital treatment for a while, but shortly... When Felix Kersten arrived in Finland, he was hospitalized because of severe pain in his knees. Again, we run into conflicting accounts that differ from Felix Kersten's well-publicized and oft-quoted memoir, which, under closer scrutiny, seems to deliver only half the truth. In his memoirs, Kersten writes about spending three or four months in the military hospital in Helsinki, and one doctor there noticed that he possesses good hands for massaging. But the official medical report states that his stay in the military hospital lasted only one and a half months. Prior to that, Kersten had spent two and a half months in Estonia, where the original pain in the knees started. He had not been able to walk because of the pain, laying two months in bed and two weeks later in the sequestered Calera barracks. There he was given the massage. Okay, a key factor in our story is the massage. Cholera, typhoid, or Spanish flu? For Werner Neuss, a surgeon by training, he knows that people can sometimes die from cholera within hours. A perfect momentum for somebody to steal an identity from a dying cholera patient. It was common for cholera-infected bodies to be buried in mass graves and poured over with chlorite lime. Actually, what emerges from his biographies seems to be a nice concoction of all of these records spiced heavily with bits of fantasies. Add to it that Kersten doesn't mention in his published memoirs that in reality, he was also a German citizen. Information available in his military records in Finland as well. He applied for Finnish citizenship and generally it was demanded that a person who wanted to become a Finnish citizen had to live in Finland for five years before it was possible. But in Kirsten's case, he became a Finnish citizen exceptionally fast within a few months. It was possible due to the legislation if there were particular conditions which were favorable. So it was a legal act, but he had 
influential supporters, so some of the leading Finnish officers uh, made this possible by giving their recommendations for this naturalization. When the fake Kirsten uh, arrived in Finland, he was welcomed. He had certainly good prospects. However, as he cheated, he... Why, why do you think? I mean, because you said that he went into a school and he became an ensign. Yes. Do you think he wanted to simply move too fast? That's why he cheated or...? Yes, he was a careerist and, and a fast runner, but he was not honest. He made up his service record, service in the German army, which is just a fairy tale and he... Excuse me, why does it look uh, as a fairy tale? It's unbelievable. He had uh, participated in, I think, 17 different fights on the Western front and he had been uh, an aircraft pilot and other just incredible actions of it's quite clear nothing of this is true but the general picture is that as he arrived in Finland in 1919 a year or two he was successful he was accepted by the military establishment in Finland he became a Finnish citizen and he also had a, a Finnish girlfriend, Kerttu Pohjanpalo. It was a middle-class family. The father of the family was an engineer and a businessman, and they were ambitious people, and the sons of the family eventually became diplomats, and at least partly they accepted Kirsten as a boyfriend of their younger sister, Kerttu. However, the father of the family didn't like Kirsten, so he didn't accept the relationship between Kerttu and Felix. I think also the mother of the family, Inni, liked Kirsten very much. Actually, Inni was the reason for his turning to the healing, because the mother, Inni, had headache, and she was treated by a Finnish physician, Paul Kolander. And in order to treat her, he gave her head massage. So Kirsten started to treat Inni, because he then lived at the home of the family in Helsinki. Inni liked much the treatment and... So Inni was the mother of the girlfriend? Yes, yes, and also the, of the boys Jormand. So is it possible that uh, Kirsten just uh, wanted to give a better impression of himself, just giving a little bit massage to the potential mother-in-law? and he was successful. Yes, I'm, I'm sure that the fake Kirsten tried to make a, such a good impression as possible in the family, and he was also successful with the exception of the, of, in, of, of, in, of the in father. In his memoirs, Kirsten is telling that he was in the, in the military hospital where Dr. Coliander realized that you have very good hands for massaging. So this is the true story behind that story. I think he also told a different reason for his uh, sacking from the Finnish army to the Pohjanpalo family sooner. Yes, he said to the Pohjanpalo family that he had been sacked because the United States and Great Britain they demanded that all Germans will have to be removed from the army. 
now I had to go back to the Felix Kersten story provided to the Finnish authorities in 1922 when he was interrogated about the forgery of a document of his service as a lieutenant in the Polkian Poyat in Estonia and the request to send Finland a certificate attesting to that. Estonian authorities were unable to find any lieutenant who had ever served in the Polkian Poyat under that name. When questioned, Felix Kersten submitted that he had been serving in the Polkian Poyat and drawing a lieutenant's salary while all along wearing the uniform of a non-commissioned German officer. Kersten also admitted that he had changed his name in his request, and when asked about the name, he gave a strange answer. The name recorded in the request was Lieutenant Felix Kersten, not Felix Edward Alexander Kersten. Also, the birth year was wrong. It was 1896 when it was supposed to be 1898. The result? Kersten was summarily fired from the Finnish army and his military rank was stripped off. Isn't that a bit odd? Since, after all, he had a Finnish citizenship. Also, he was supposed to be originally Estonian. Anyhow, it seemed that he was identifying himself more as a German than anything else. Felix Kersten left Finland quickly. He wasn't heading to Tartu, his hometown in Estonia, but rather straight to Berlin. The podcast is directed and realized by Arto Koskinen. Written by Arto Koskinen and John Bernstein. The voiceover of Arto Koskinen is dramatized by Trent Pansy. Sound design and music is made by Kimmo Vantinen.